Glad we have such talented people around here. I was worried a little bit before the service. Uh, Rick wasn't here yet, and I was afraid Danny and Jim were going to have to do the music, but uh, we, we worked out really well, so we're thankful for that. Uh, back in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, we're going to look at a specific part of the story uh, tonight from John chapter 13 that we just kind of drove right by this morning, and it's, a, it's an important part of the story, some extremely important lessons uh, taught uh, here in this part of the story, uh, lessons that the disciples certainly needed in that time, but lessons that we really need today as well. And so uh, we'll see what we can learn, see what we can apply to our lives in John chapter 13, beginning back in verse 1, he writes, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew uh, that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What am I doing? What I am doing to you, well, let me start that over. What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but, it is, com- but, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the teaching of your word. Thank you for the examples that we find in scripture to show us how we ought to live our lives every day in relation with you and in relation with others. I pray that we leave here seeking to serve you more, seeking to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll be really honest. The whole idea of feet washing really grosses me out. 
Okay? I couldn't be a doctor of any kind I, or serve in the medical field because a lot of things gross me out, but feet gross me out. I just, I just, I couldn't, uh, that's just something that I'd, uh, I guess I couldn't deal with. Uh, but uh, as we see here, uh, the need to have clean feet was not really the moral of the story. Jesus did this and Jesus used this as an illustration to get a much more important point across. So we're going to break this down into uh, three parts tonight, uh, three brief parts tonight. We're going to look first, we're going to look at what Jesus did. And then, and that's going to be uh, from all parts of the story. And then we're going to back up and take the little exchange he had with Peter and look at Peter's response. And then just a couple of points of application to our lives today. And don't worry, the application will not suggest that you go home and fill a bucket of water and start washing people's feet. That's not part of the application tonight. And I'm thankful that that's not part of the application of this scripture. So first, let's just jump into this and, and uh, answer the question, you know, what did Jesus do? Well, consider the setting. You know, it was a perfect example for Jesus to get his point across because as they walked to the site of the, what would be the Last Supper, they worked, walked, of course, on dirt roads, uh, you understand with uh, kind of how this is, even though we've got blacktop out here, there are probably yellow tracks uh, as you start coming in the building, right? And uh, Truett likes to climb out through the front seat. Tonight out here, I tell him, I said, no, you get out your door. You're not going to track that yellow pollen off your feet through my seat that I'm going to sit on with my dark suit when we come back out, okay? I said, you go that way. We're not going to track the pollen around. But you understand how, of course, they're walking around in just sandaled feet and how, how they, uh, they didn't matter. They got up and showered. They showered, but they got up and, and got bathed that morning. And as they walk around, they walk to the site here of what would be the Last Supper. Their feet are filthy. And in this culture, it was considered absolutely repulsive to recline for a, a formal meal of this type with dirty feet. You just didn't do that. However, another important aspect of this about their custom is that it was not part of the custom for a Jew to wash another Jew's feet. As a matter of fact, even a Jewish slave was not made to do this task. This was a task, the washing of feet was a task that was reserved for the Gentile slaves who in the Jewish people's eyes were the lowest of low in society. You didn't get any lower than these Gentile slaves, and so the job of foot washing was reserved for them. But that's not the way Jesus approached it. As we see here uh, back in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You say, why did he do this? Why did Jesus do this? What was the point he was trying to get across? I liked what Warren Wearsby said in his commentary. He said, what Jesus knew determined what Jesus did. What Jesus knew determined what Jesus did. So what did Jesus know? Well, in verse 1, it, 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 uh, John comes right out and tells us some of those things. He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew 
that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. It said Jesus knew his hour had come. It was no longer looking into the future, predicting his death, and saying, guys, one day I'm going to leave you. The time is here. The time is now. The time has come. And so that hastens Jesus along, needing to teach this important lesson, reinforce this important lesson that he will do through this uh, example to his disciples. Because he knew, another thing he knew, was that his disciples were being left behind in the world. More on that in just a minute. And another thing that he knew, it says that he knew he loved them to the end. Another translation says he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them in such a way, such divine love, that he could not love a person more than he loved those 12. And just like he loves all of those who profess him as their Savior today. So because he loved them, he had to teach them this lesson that we see through the washing of the feet and through his interaction with Peter. It also tells us that he knew As we get down into verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. All things. That would include all knowledge. And so what's remarkable to me about this part of the story, Jesus had all knowledge. So he knew Judas was the traitor. Of course, he, he says many times there's a traitor among them. He hasn't identified Judas yet. But he knows Judas is the traitor and he still washes Judas' feet. It says he washed all the disciples' feet. And that's going to play into part of our application here in just a minute. It'll make more sense the more we go along. So skipping over the interaction with Peter, jump down to verse 12. It says in verse 12, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and say, and you say, well, for I am so. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The overarching message is not to go around washing people's feet. The overarching message is to serve with humility. He knows that he's about to go away. He knows that he's about to return to the Father. And if these 11 guys who remain out of this 12 are to be successful and sharing the gospel with the world, and we see over in the book of Acts, it says eventually they turn the world upside down with the gospel of Christ. If that's to be accomplished, if that ultimate goal is to be accomplished, these guys need to learn a lesson about humility. Because leading up to this, we see if we go back and read through, uh, you know, several chapters back in John, read uh, all throughout the other gospels, and all up until this point, they're fighting amongst themselves. Who's the greatest? Oh, who's going to sit at the right and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom? All this stuff, they're fighting amongst themselves. They're they're a very prideful group for the most part. 
they're fussing and fighting, and then you got Judas looking out for himself. Jesus says, if you're going to pick up the mantle, you have to serve with humility. And so there in verses 15 and 16, where he says, I've given you an example that you should do as uh, you should do as I have done to you, and most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm your master. I'm your Lord. You admit that when you address me. You admit that. And I've just done the lowliest job in our society. Therefore, if I'm willing to do that, nothing is beneath you. That's what Jesus is telling them. If I'm willing to humble myself and wash your feet, nothing is below you. You want to know what one of my biggest pet peeves is? To hear somebody utter these words, that's not my job. It runs all over me. You know, that's... um, had a student worker or two at SAU when I worked there, and, and uh, we'd, I'd give them something. That's not my job. I said, that's why you need to finish your degree so you're not making a minimum wage. But right now, you work for me, and that's your job, right? And maybe you've had to do that with employees. But, you know, that just runs all over me. Somebody said, that's because when somebody says that, what are they saying? They're saying, I'm too good to do that. And Jesus said, when it comes to the work of the kingdom, When it comes to the work of the church, when it comes to advancing the cause of Christ, there is no Christian who is above any job in the kingdom. Nothing is beneath you. No matter how humbling the task, if it comes up, it's your job. That's what Jesus is saying. But notice in verse 15, I love, look at the details here. This is where I get out of the feet washing thing. He says, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Notice, he didn't say you should do what I did to you. He said you should serve in the same manner that I just served you. It's about attitude. He didn't say wash feet. I guess if that comes up in your work in the kingdom, I guess if that comes up in my work in the kingdom, I'll have to do it. But some people take that and, and they, in some denominations and in some uh, areas of the Christian world, and they take that to the extreme. And, and uh, there's actually some denominations that say foot washing is an ordinance of the church, just like baptism and the Lord's Supper. I'm glad we don't take it to that extreme. But he says, serve others with humility, not to receive the glory, but in such a way that God receives the glory. Remember, Jesus had already told them uh, in an earlier sermon. uh, He he said, let your light so shine before men that others see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And when we serve uh, one another and we serve our community and we serve the world with humility, it allows the glory to go to him instead of coming to us. There's There's a melee proverb that says this. I like this. This is good. It says, the fuller the ear is of rice grain on the plant, the fuller the ear is of rice grain, the lower it bends. You know, I think we can say the fuller we are of Jesus, 
the lower we bend. You know, I think if, if a church member thinks that a job in the kingdom is beneath them, I say, you need to get a little more of Jesus. Let him weigh you down a little more to bring you to that point of humility. If there's jobs, if there's work in the kingdom that we refuse to do, we just need to get some more Jesus. Jesus knew this was a lesson the disciples needed. And what he knew about them and their circumstance, what he had been hearing them bicker back and forth, he, what he knew helped determine what he did. So look at Peter's response really quick here. Peter, in verse 6, it says, Then Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Peter always telling Jesus what to do, isn't he? You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if, you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when you know, Peter got all excited. Oh, we're going to be three altars. You know, one, we're gonna, Peter always wanted to do things to the extreme. It's, it's one of those, again, one of those issues where he doesn't know what to say, so he, he just you know, keeps talking. Jesus said to him in verse 10, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. <clears throat> Therefore he said, you are not all clean. There in verse 6, it's like Peter said, Hey, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? Peter realizes this ought to be the other way around. I ought to be washing the feet of Jesus. But this is Peter speaking out of turn, questioning Jesus before the lesson's even complete. But I'm thankful he did because by doing this, Peter opened up another dialogue with Jesus to get another lesson that is so important. It's a lesson that, re that reminds us of our security as believers. You see, as we get down to, to verse 8, Jesus tells Peter that his dirty feet will uh, completely remove Peter's ability to fellowship with Jesus. But we've got to get the whole story to realize that Jesus isn't talking about their feet. And Jesus even tells Peter there, all of you are not going to understand this until later. And so I'm sure Peter was quite confused. Hey, what, you don't want to hang out with me because my feet are dirty? You know, I mean, what's going on here? He said, you'll understand this later. And in verse 9, again, he speaks out of turn. And, uh, you know, he says, well, hey, then, if you're going to wash my feet, how about, you know, washing my, washing my hands and washing my head? But the lesson's in the details. And it's one of those, some of those details that we miss a lot of times in the English versus in the original uh, Greek language. When we see there, we see two different words in the New King James we see he talks about being bathed. Well, there are three words, bathed, and we see washed or cleaned. That When he says bathed, uh, there uh, in verse 10, Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. That, that picture, that illustration of being bathed, it's a picture 
of our salvation. That the word that is used, the Greek word used there that is translated bathed here in the New King James Version means to bathe all over. But it's in the perfect verb tense, which means once and for all. You do it one time, and that's the only time you ever have to do it. Boy, I know a lot of junior high boys who wish they only had to bathe one time and it'd stick. If you don't believe me, just come upstairs on a Wednesday night after they play basketball. It's 20 degrees outside. We're running the air conditioner to circulate some air through there, okay? Once and for all, Jesus said, if you're bathed, you don't need to wash all over again, Peter. I don't need to wash your, your, your uh, hands and your head. You're already clean. I only need to wash the dirty spots. That word bathed is an illustration of what takes place when, when Paul is talking about it in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, cleaned, once and for all, never has to happen again. So why wash the feet? It comes from a Greek word meaning just to wash a part of the body. You know, it'd be like you get up in the morning and uh, maybe you get up in the morning and you take your shower, get ready for the day, you're clean. And then you go and you, you start messing with something, you get your hands all dirty. You don't go run and get back in the shower just because your hands are dirty, do you? You go to the sink and you wash what's dirty. You wash your hands. And you think about if while your hands are all 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 nasty and dirty, if your neighbor happens to walk up, they're probably not extending their hand to shake it, are they? Which kind of hampers your fellowship with your neighbor there. And Jesus said, as long as your feet are dirty, you can't have fellowship with me. The illustration there of washing the feet is a picture of that daily sin that happens in our life. And Jesus said, as long as that sin is there, you lose your fellowship with me and you lose your fellowship with the Father. You'll never lose your salvation because you've already been cleaned. And you don't, have to be, you don't have to be bathed again. You'll never lose your salvation. But we can't fellowship if you're dirty with those day-to-day sins. Salvation never needs to be repeated. But daily cleansing is needed if our relationship with him is to grow. And that's why John would write later that verse that I used this morning, 1 John 1, 9. He said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse, same word used here about cleaning those dirty feet, cleanse you of those day-to-day sins. And I'll tell you just as a side note, verse 11 is so sad to me. It's a very sad verse. Because it says, for Jesus knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. You know, I think Jesus is making a final appeal to Judas. Even though Jesus knows somebody has to betray him, this has to happen in order for the plan to go through. I think Jesus is making a final appeal to Judas. Calling him to repentance. Saying, hey, one of you is not saved. One of you is not clean, but I'm here, and I'm willing to do it. What's so interesting, though, I said we'd talk more about this later, and we will. What's so interesting 
to me is that Judas, he went through the motions of allowing Jesus to wash his feet, but he never allowed Jesus to wash him spiritually. And I'm convinced that there are a lot of church members who are not saved. Uh, not, I mean, I'm not talking about that Brister. I'm just talking about in general. A lot of people who are church members at a lot of churches who are not saved. And a lot of times we'll see somebody who's baptized as a child or baptized as a young adult, and they'll come back later and say, I realized I was never saved. And the church, you know, uh, undoes the previous uh, business, and they'll uh, accept them back. They'll be baptized again. But how often do we just go through the motions? But we never really repent of the sin. It's dangerous. I think it's another warning here in verse 11 to those who do go through the motions. They play religion, yet they never really give their life to Jesus in faith. You can go through the motions, but it doesn't matter as long as you don't have that saving faith. So our takeaways, our application of all of this. First, humble yourself and serve others. There's not a job in the kingdom and there's not a job in the church that's beneath any of us. Second thing, don't allow day-to-day sins to block your fellowship with Jesus. Confess your sins daily. Like I said, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive the sins if all we do is confess them to him. And finally, and this is big, because, you know, I've talked to people before going through down times, and they blame God. They blame Jesus. You know what I see from this passage of Scripture? It's a reminder that if we find that our fellowship with Jesus is lacking, it's our fault. It's not his He placed the cards in our hands and said, I want to have fellowship with you. Just make sure your feet are clean. Is there anything before we dismiss? If not, if you'll stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.